from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Chapter 65 of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray. But My name is Graham Merrigan. Like, you, you, you killed me mid-intro. I was going to build you up this week. Sorry, man. Are you going to build me up? I was going to build you up this build week. Build me up. Build yeah. me up, Scotty. Build you up, Buttercup. What do, do you, you build, build me up? Sing that. Rovers fans sing that. Did I? Yeah. Why? Even when we lost against Cork 3-0 away last week and they were singing it for the whole 90 minutes. Doesn't strike Nothing me. Nothing else to sing to. Or nothing else to sing for, because we're crap. Doesn't strike me as the type of song that a hooligan would change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to give you a beautiful intro, Graham, this week. Do um, it, man. I was going to say that, of course, nobody tunes into this podcast to hear my tones. They tune in to hear not only the man who would lead Ballybrack into war should one be declared, not only <laughs> the man who has. Single-handedly beat Michael Jordan four, five times in slam dunk contests now. Six, I think. Six. Jesus, man. Larry Bird must even hate you. you know what <laughs> I mean? Not only the man with the best haircut, courtesy of last week's guest, Jason Brophy, in the border. And D-Raid, slash D-Raid. Just, you know, but the man that we all wish our children would grow up to be like. <laughs> what are you licking my hole? <laughs> Because <laughs> I've seen you had sweets in your little storage. <laughs> <laughs> in my box under my seat. Exactly, and your, your mule smuggling yoke. Me mule. Your, your little mule. Um, yeah, man. You're usually on default uh, mode to just give me stick. Yeah. Now you're licking me whole. Yeah, yeah. Well, I figured, look, you know, it doesn't have to be Valentine's to show love. <laughs> oh, we need to do a Valentine's special. We really do. I make it as cringy and cheesy with like Marvin Gaye playing as a sound bed. Bring Dr. Carr on. Do you mean Emily, the sexologist? No, Dr. Carr. Oh, okay. You smitten? No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Say nothing. Segway City. Say nothing to nobody. Segway City. Speaking of Dr. Carr Augustenborg, congratulations to her. The award-winning Verdant Yank blog. Uh, she was on this podcast just a couple of weeks ago, um, where she's done a Facebook Live with myself and yourself. Live. And um, she has gone on to sensationally romp to victory in the Littlewoods Blog Awards of the year of our Lord 2016. But not only has former guest Cara Gustenberg gone on to victory, former guest Gordon Rothschild of Those Conspiracy Guys also romped to victory. Gordon? Yeah. I thought it was both. Is it not? No, we're both. I'm just saying Gordon was the only one on this. Oh, sorry. Apologies. We didn't have Paul yeah. that night. It was only Gordo. But uh, the, yeah, the two lads from Those Conspiracy Guys also award winning and thoroughly deserved. Um, they've been getting a lot of coverage lately and their podcast became the number one out of every single podcast in Ireland, not just in their category. Mm. Beating Joe Rogan and beating, beating everybody. Everybody. Paul uh, Cabana, everyone. Um, so congratulations to the two lads. They deserve nothing but success, but also congratulations to Carrot on Horror. We'll one. have to get uh, those conspiracies on uh, soon because season four 
of yeah. their shows. Some of the subject matters are excellent, like uh, Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a Princess Diana one, or that might have been at the end of season three. Yeah. Conspiracy theories so, are great, though. They've done so many good ones. And now, look, look at the Hillary conspiracy that's going on at the moment. Hillary Clinton. What, what that she's sick? That she's dead. What do you mean that she's dead? Do you know this old Hillary had pneumonia thing? Yeah. Well, the Sunday where she done her wobbly legs. And yeah, collapsed. I've seen that, yeah. Well, right. That looked very worrying, man. Did. Um, but that that evening, um, an ABC reporter in New York, live on TV, you can check this out, reported Hillary Clinton is dead. No way. And then carried on with the news story and tried to gloss over it as if nothing had happened. But everyone was like, whoa, what did he just say? What did he say, yeah? Then Rewind. Then you have two other uh, news reporters tweeting separately unrelated to this now it wasn't like that acted as the catalyst these two guys i can't remember their names tweeting getting news hillary clinton has passed away r.i.p or something to that effect like and then you have this whole thing of it's a double the the hillary that's out there now like campaigning is a double and it's all about like look at the eyes there's a mole on her face that isn't like Oh, come on, that's like so, the whole Tupac and Michael Jackson stuff, isn't it? Well, look, I don't know, man, but there's people out there who are really pushing and it, Elvis. you know? So, um, Do you remember the Elvis ad years ago, the Kika? I'm not doing it, baby. I'm yeah. just having a break. Yeah. You know? I, was, I, I think I was, what, 13, 14. I was a good Elvis, man. But I was thinking he was still alive, based on that ad. I'm just, I'm going to rewind there. <laughs> that was a good Elvis, wasn't it? It was a great Elvis. Thanks, man, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there's a new Kika cookie, though. I, uh, I don't forever. know. I, I'm, if it's not lettuce, I'm not eating it. <laughs> okay, fair point. I don't even eat chocolate myself. I don't understand. What does chocolate look like? It's the, I don't know. Leaves. Is that, is that the green stuff, is yeah, it? It's yeah, it's lettuce. You can have, sometimes you can make duck and all and put. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Duck? Duck? Not duck. What's the oh, thing of the Chinese? Duck. Kung Dao or something? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't that Kung Dao? Kung Pao or something? Uh, Kung Pao. Is it Kung Pao? Like Kung Pao chicken, like? Where? No, you're in the Chinese. I was out with Lindsay before, and Lindsay and Austin got it. Where I, I refuse like to mint. believe. Hang on, I refuse to believe Lindsay Doyle has ever been in a Chinese restaurant. I don't know if it was Chinese. It was in Mao. I, I love Mao. Um, and she honey sesame chicken in Mao. Oh, good lord! Uh, banana fr- banana fritters in Mao. Oh. I tell you, there's only one place that beats Mao for me, Graham. Who? The Grill at Fitzpatrick's. No way. Oh, good lord. Their new set menu, just 25 quid, three courses. For three courses? Nom, 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 nom. 20, 20 quid will get you two, 25 will get you three. Man. Unbelievable. Grill at Fitzpatrick's, because of course we are brought to you by... Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel. The fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick Castle. The award-winning four-star establishment in the beautiful surrounds of Cliney, South County, Dublin. Gas, TripAdvisor uh, uh, are insisting that I have an app belonging to them. I'm trying to remove it on my phone and the bastard thing won't go. TripAdvisor uh, is... Um, I, I'm a firm, firm believer of TripAdvisor. Really? I, well, I, I came I up tonight and it told me you are near Fitzpatrick's yeah, Castle I Hotel. I won't stay in a hotel without checking TripAdvisor first. That shit's freaky though, isn't it? Yeah, but that's that's because you have your geolocator on your phone, man. That's The FBI are following you. You can sh- turn that off, can you? You can, yeah. And I'd recommend doing it because otherwise somebody out there is following you. Sorry, following you. Following me. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, Lindsay there, she got this uh, uh, meat mince. I don't know whether it was duck mince or whatever, but... Basically, just put it in leaves and then edit as if like it was a almost bit like, of bit of uh, bit of pita bread. I was gonna say it's like a, a lettuce pita. Yeah, that you, yeah. I've seen them before. I've seen you them get them in the Chinese as takeaway though. 
I think you can. I've, uh, Someone's going to tell, correct me anyway. Yeah, so. they probably will. Let us know. Like, what's your favourite thing? <laughs> Let us know. Hey. <laughs> uh, didn't mean that. Um, but well spotted you. Um, do. Pray tell us not only what is your favourite Chinese restaurant, but also what is your favourite item from said Chinese restaurant at WTS Pod on the Twitter machine. Um, I do go in and out of what's my favourite if I'm getting a takeaway or anything like that. At the moment, I'm mad for karma from takeaways. A chicken karma? Oh, God, yeah. 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 I'd love, um, I love cheap plug to Spice Cottage. Spice Cottage? Spice Cottage down the noggin. My Jesus. Unreal. Yeah. And, v- and very affordable compared to other local Indian establishments. Wow. Get a lovely chicken tikka masala. I'm... Um, nah, garlic naan. Boiled rice. Just in the interest of fairness and uh, impartiality, I'm going to plug Veda and Cabin Tealy. Oh, I like Veda too, man. that's my go-to. We place. talked about them before. We did. Um, so there you are. If you're getting a takeaway, try them. But if you're not getting a takeaway, you're going to treat yourself, treat your partner, treat the family. The lettuce. Up here. In Fitzpatrick's. Oh, yeah. The way to go. Um, if you're eating clean, though. The lettuce. What the fuck am I on if, about? If you're eating clean, lettuce advise you. <laughs> you. Get some of the greenery into you, huh? Um, just really quick on the whole trip advisor thing. Um, we talked recently I recently put a ring on it yes and at the moment I'm being dragged to various establishments to look at hotels despite the fact that we haven't officially set a date really it's a weird process and man. is it going to be foreign or is it going to be a home we were looking at doing a foreign right but uh, because the lovely Oksana may have relatives coming from Russia yeah it would be very awkward to get two visas we're so, not going to Russia though no so we're going to have a home so that way they don't have to look after one visa very good. And so if they were going to two countries, they'd have to get two visas? Potentially, unless the other place has an agreement. To oh, of course. So yeah. what's the states if you were to get married in Vegas? Oh, no, they need a visa. They need two. So well, that's if they decided to come here as well, which I would encourage anybody out there who's listening abroad to visit this wonderful green island that we live on called Ireland. Best um, island in the world. The greatest, greatest piece of rock that sticks out of the ocean on the planet. Uh, where was I going with this, Graham? Help me. Uh, TripAdvisor. Sorry, TripAdvisor and, and hotels and all. Yeah, so, so anywhere that she recommends, like the first thing I do, I'm like, I'm looking at TripAdvisor because if it's getting pants reviews, yeah, then I'm not even entertained the idea of it. You know what I mean? But well, well, one of the things I... When I was doing a whole engagement thing, essentially, I went to a place called Voltaire out in town. Voltaire Diamonds out in town. Because... Ooh! That sounds posh. Probably is. <laughs> right? Because I don't... Like... It's not TripAdvisor, but it's like a TripAdvisor thing. Oh, right. That tells you like, oh, yeah, these are really good. Or, oh, I'm not so sure about them or whatever. And this place had a really good review rating. So I went in there and it was mad. Like, it was... First, lovely girl called Fiona was who I was dealing with in there. And from the time that I, like, got in touch with them, they bring you in, they have a little appointment with you. You're brought into this little room and you're showing a load of rings. And I'm looking clueless. Mm. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, do you all look sparkly to me, mate? I can't <laughs> believe this is on a, a website like TripAdvisor. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it now. I think it's Trust Index or something like that. All right. And, um, yeah, anyway. That's cool, though. So I went in, got, got all that done and all. That's how I got the ring picked out. Um, I look, cheap plug, but if anybody's looking or anybody's thinking about popping to question, they're significant other, couldn't recommend the lads in Voltaire enough. Yeah. They're amazing. Ask for Fiona. She's great. But my point being that I now... I've gone into this default mode of anywhere that I'm going, I look online for the review first. Right. And I'm starting to become very conscious of that. So no, like no longer am I doing something on a whim. Anywhere, we're like, oh, we'll go there. Oh, yeah, hang on, I'll check that. Really? And if the review, if I see like a certain amount of terrible reviews... You I'm won't like, go. 
Would that be the same uh, for a cinema trip? In what sense? Like, would you would you review or would you read up on anything about a, a movie coming out and then not go to the pictures? Um, I'd be less likely to do it there because I think something like movies or mu- music is a lot more subjective. Yeah. Like, wallpaper peeling off a wall isn't the same as a comedy that's not funny. Yeah, I don't like I don't like movie reviews or album reviews. The only one that uh, I would say put me off going to film, there's a film out recently, I can't remember what it was called, that I wanted to see. Oh, Sausage Party. Yeah. I, I really, after seeing the trailer and all, I really wanted to see it. And yeah. a couple of people went to see it and said, oh, it's absolutely shite. They told me why it was shite. I was like, oh, I'm not going. Really? I'll wait for it to come out and I'll, you know, yeah, yeah, no, buy it for DVD. I wouldn't let, um, I wouldn't let that, that deter me. Um, I used to always buy Empire magazine years ago. Yes. And I used to read the reviews. There was a particular columnist that I used to read and I had a lot in common with him. And every time he reviewed it, I felt, you know, it was me writing it. <laughs> but no, I wouldn't. Some people have their minds made up before going to the pictures when they're going to see a film. Yeah. I don't, man. I just go. I don't give a shit what people think. So let me think myself. So you ignore reviews? I do, yeah. Ignore reviews for most things like movies yeah. or have you, a here. music band or have you have you charged music band? Have you charged that segue by any chance? No. Because I'm about to write off on it now. Yeah, <laughs> I charge him on the super it up now. Just saying, like, because if 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 you don't trust reviews, yeah. maybe there's other people out there that don't trust reviews, and maybe that's why. Every week when we appeal for people to review us on iTunes, it doesn't get done. <laughs> yeah. Lads, seriously, if you're listening, just, especially, right, my main reason for doing this, we have people listening in countries that I couldn't point to on a map. Mm. So I'm like, why? Because <laughs> like, we, we tend to like try and bring Ballybrack to the world. That's kind of what we're, our mantra has warmed into. As what is, it, has, it has evolved. So we br- we're brought it to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Pakistan, um, like it, South America for some Chile, Chile in particular in South America. Really? Yeah, Brazil. We have a few. It tends to go. It's almost like there's, there's like maybe two people in Brazil who like leave it for like twelve weeks and then catch up on loads and then leave it for a while and catch up on loads. Now I know that's how some people listen to podcasts, but in Chile it seems to be this steady kind of flow of each week there's like four downloads I'm what like, the hell that I'm could like, be tourists though because I went into our, our Podbean account last night and I had like X amount of followers but you can check and have a look at those followers yeah and there was like I knew let's say there was 80 I knew 20 of them yeah but like the listens we have is something like 60,000 or something like that yeah yeah it's weird like and that's just from that app yeah it's very weird but what I'm getting at lads is if you're listening from abroad, first and foremost, thank you. And I hope whatever part of the world you're in, it's beautiful. But let us know. Tweet us. Give us a review on iTunes. Let us know where you're listening from. We'll give you a little shout out. Why not? Like I was um, talking to uh, WhatsApp with my friend Janine, who's in Saudi Arabia. How are you, Janine? She listens. How are you, Janine? And she was asking Oi. me how many like do we have in Saudi Arabia. And yeah. I just threw out a number. Like I think I said it was 42 the last check. Something like that, so, yeah. 30s or 40s. She was like... I don't even know 42 people over here. <laughs> <laughs> so who the hell is... Yeah, like it's so... Like, like there's people in Turkey listening. And then I realised like, oh, maybe there's maybe there's tourists going to... And I was like, hang on, Turkey at the moment is is, is a mad, mad kip. Mad kip, yeah. Why, why would you be going on your holidays to Turkey? Like, But um, I used to wreck Janine's head when she worked in Oina Stores. Did you? So Janine, if you're listening, apologies. 
How did you use the regular head? I used to go down and ask for coleslaw and all this sort of corned beef and all that. Oh, the corned beef the was corn unreal. Beef, the corned beef and coleslaw. Big slab of corned <laughs> beef. Oh, it was the finest coleslaw on the board, man. But it was, uh, the, cor- the corned beef was gone by about 12 o'clock every oh, day. stop, you had to be quick. You were gone, man. What was your man's name though in the stores? Tony. Tony, that's yeah. it. Is it still open? I think so. No way. Yeah. I used to go in, or else, uh, me mate, Tom, well, there's still Tom and my mate. <laughs> The, the Murphy brothers. <laughs> I the thought you were going to say, me mate Tony, you runs on it. <laughs> yeah, the two lads, we, myself and a couple of lads, anyway, every Saturday we'd converge on the Murphy household. Yeah. Great family, the Murphys, Catherine and John. Uh, John, RIP, but Catherine, one of the nicest families ever. John was our football manager for years. He's like a second dad to most of the team. Yeah. Catherine, nicest woman in the world, couldn't do enough for you. She used to do oranges and all for the football team and, like, just... Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful family. Yeah. But the lad's little sister, Sarah, she was, I don't know, about 10 at the time or something, and every week was saying, be like, heard you were the fastest to go to Tony's. <laughs> the usual. <laughs> Brilliant. Deadly show. We spent the summer, uh, one of my best mates who's no longer with us, Sid Sterry. Um, Sid, 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 Sid. Lovely nod to Sid there. Absolutely. Um, we spent this maybe two or three summers just sitting on his wall most mornings and going over to Tony and getting loads of shite and watching old wrestling videos. Beautiful. But we always used to get cans of lilt for some reason. Can of lilt? Yeah, and then um, Monster Munch and then getting this slab of corned beef. Slab of corned beef, Going man. back to Sid's and watching fucking ECW videos oh, and beautiful. old wrestling videos. Good old line of stars, what? Simpler times, my Simpler friend. Simpler times. We were talking about that, that kind of... Was a tangent from reviews. Yeah. Have you seen friend of the show Paul Stenson going on a warpath? Listen, unbelievable. Listen, he doesn't give a shit about reviews. He does not. That man has been getting an awful lot of flack. And just remind, who's Paul Stenson? Where is he pa- from? Paul Stenson is the proprietor of um, a hotel out on the north side of Dublin, the Charleville Lodge. More recently, they opened a cafe. Which when we were out there last year talking to Paul, he advised was going to open and all that. I've been out. The food is unbelievable. I have to say, I went out one Sunday. The food is actually so good. Like yeah. it is. And it's in Fibsborough, is it? Uh, North Clare Road. Yeah. Um, the food, genuinely, lads. The food is amazing. But here's the thing. Paul says some outlandish things on social media, and the reason he does it is because he knows it gets attention. He is a beautiful, beautiful man. I mean this. He's one of the kindest, sweetest people we've ever talked to with this podcast. Mm. He just doesn't give a shit, though. He does not give a flying. He really doesn't. Like he is just. He knows he's a he's a clever dude. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. Would, he, when he puts something out, he's putting it out, hoping people buy. And there's an awful lot of people on the page or who like the page or follow the page who get it and realize that he's taking the piss. He's having a bit of crack. He's gone for a completely different marketing route than a lot of other people. And it's and, working. And fair play to him. People are talking about it. Yes, he's got some some horrible things said to him. Yes, he's got some really negative publicity, but the simple fact is, people are talking about it. It's driven more. It was trending. The White Moose Cafe was trending the other day on but Twitter. But he, um, he, like, you have to, I mean, if you listen to the show with us and him, you will know that he enjoys life and just to take him with a pinch of salt. I mean, some of his, one of his outlandish comments last week on George Hook was, um, any, any, mothers that would like to breastfeed their child will have to go into the toilet. Now, yeah. He was clearly taking the piss because he's quite no. he's quite like 
he's open with all these things yeah. and now, then gluten free people I was going to say this he, is all off the back of he was on the show in the first place because he said anybody who wants to come into my cafe that's gluten free ask for gluten free options most producer doctors know <laughs> to tell me why I have to go to the bottle or my chefs have to go to the bottle tongue in cheek tongue in cheek come on lads but, but he's a lovely lad and he's very he funny went, he went to war with the vegans as well <laughs> um, but he's getting like he he was on sorry right. he was on um, radio or sorry an Australian news channel reported him yeah he's White News on, Cafe doesn't allow breastfeeding he's, but he's clearly taking the piss he's been on American British he was on the BBC he's been on Irish media he's getting essentially global coverage and not paying a single penny for it a prestigious food critic you know? um, yeah. tweeted saying not gonna um, name him t- tweet, tweeted saying um White News Cafe, remember it and avoid it. And Paul printed that tweet and got it framed, and it's now in the <laughs> on, cafe. On the wall in the cafe. On like, the wall. But yeah, that's, look, that goes back to that goes back to um, me saying about film reviews and uh, yeah. concert reviews. There's not a hope in hell I would read a Field Critics review. No, uh, I wouldn't read a Field Critics review, but I would look at a restaurant's review on something to get an idea of what I'm getting into. Like, yeah, but, but you would do it for, you would probably do it purely for menu purposes and what's on the menu. Mainly, yeah. And mainly. advice. But I'm not, if someone, if a food critic, like, I mean, food critics, I've, I watched uh, Gordon Ramsay one night, and a food critic can make or break a restaurant. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. That's I, um, astonishing. Based on what? Yeah, based on Based on some man's opinion about food. Apparently their taste buds are better than ours. I could, like, burn toast. He might, like... Not so born toast. Yeah. Do you know Look, what I mean? That's is subjective, isn't it? It's subjective. You know I mean? It's outrageous, man. Um, but, listen. Go on, Paul Stenson. Keep up the good for you. Look, lads, if you're easily offended, sometimes it's easier just to switch off and walk away from something rather than putting on your suit of armour and going into war. The man is having a bit of crack. And it is at your expense if you're easily offended. Yeah. Quite simply, in my opinion, offence is rarely given, often taken. Rarely given, often take. Yeah, that's fair enough. There you go. <laughs> it's a nice little saying, Graham, isn't it? It is. That segue just came through again. <laughs> segue, man. We're not over segues here. You're busy on your phone. I actually set up the segue for your segment. Um, I'm just. I was going to say that Paul Stenson, like he always bites the bullet. He doesn't give a shit. Like, yeah, is that a good segue? He just he comes up with an idea and says. Look, I'm gonna do it. Bites the bullet and gets on with it. He bites the bullet and gets That's on an with it. That's an interesting saying, Graham. And you know, like he always breaks the ice. <laughs> right, you lost me there. But sometimes he butters. He he does butter people up. Yeah, ropes people up the wrong way. Which <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The next segment I wanted to bring you <laughs> was interesting sayings. <laughs> <laughs> Flew over everyone. One of my interest. One of my favorite sayings. It. It's not, I don't have favourite sayings, but like you'd say them in, in passing during the day or whatever. And work. Me and the lads in work were going on last week. We had different sayings every day. Idioms. Yeah. And it's our... It's are, are, idioms? 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 I think is what the yoke is. Oh God, I don't know. I think it's an idiom. The etymology of an idiom. I think right. it's the posh way of saying. The origins of a saying. The or, Yeah, well, that's what we were... Yeah. You know, like, God bless you. Oh, geez, where did that come from? Yeah, you yeah, know, and it. apparently, God bless you, came from, came from uh, when tuberculosis was ripe. 
Yeah, um, and someone would sneeze, sneeze, like you weren't supposed to sneeze or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I've heard a few. There's another version of it that says that a, a sneeze is the soul trying to escape, and you can't get into heaven without a soul. So in order for your soul to stay in there, God bless you. So oh the soul my goes God! Back. I always wondered what uh, bite the bullet meant. What does it mean? Right. Or where does it come the from? The meaning is accepting something difficult or unpleasant. And just, mm. just uh, right. I'm gonna bite the bullet. Yeah. The history of it was is there was no time to administer anesthesia before emergency surgery during battle the surgeon made patients bite down on a bullet in an attempt to distract them from the pain what have you had a feeling oh yeah jesus you don't, Wait, well, don't snooker me like that because no, i don't have an answer for you no i'm only asking can you imagine being told to bite on something metal with a feeling oh my mm. god I, I don't have any feelings man do you not no they're perfect teeth I have great teeth, yeah. Oh, yeah, far too many. They're my, they're my, they're my own teeth as well. Beautiful. They're beautiful teeth, Grant, what I had. Um, yeah, no, I had far too many fucking sweeties, man. <laughs> far too many sweeties. <laughs> no, I've, got, uh, I've got three fillings in total. There was... Um, um, it's weird, though. They're expensive, aren't they, fillings? Fillings. They are, but, you know, the thing I find with dentists is that they're doing a tough job, so I'm willing to turn a blind eye to the high fees. <laughs> Do you like that one? I did, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so turn a blind eye is one of the phrases I used. I can't multitask, so if I'm silent, I'm trying to think of the next segment. Yeah, this is brilliant. If, if Graham is silent, he's looking at his phone, searching desperately for something, and I'm not going to edit it out. I'm just going to leave the little bit of dead air so you just can pick up on what I have every week. So you can eat humble pie? Oh, <laughs> there was no snow on that one, kid. You just pulled that one straight out. Um, yeah, so the phrase turn a blind eye uh, often used to refer to a sort of willful, willing refusal of certain predicaments would right. you say you know yeah. so somebody's being cheeky the te- like, you know doing something in class they're not supposed to do but the teacher turns a blind eye to it you <laughs> know what I'm saying do you know where it comes from Graham? where does it come from it comes from the legendary career of British naval hero Horatio Nelson what Go on name. Horatio what a name that's man that's a great name man Hor- I'm gonna call my dog that Horatio Nelson <laughs> That's a good name for a dog, I like it. it. Come here, Horatio. Give us the paw, Horatio. Good dog. That was my my impression of a dog there. It was brilliant, man. Was that your Elvis one? I was going to say, it's almost as good as my Elvis, but come on, like, I mean, come on. (laughs) Meet me Elvis. like, people listening to that was like, holy shit, they've got Elvis as a guest this week. (laughs) We don't. And they're replaying all the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever see that clip of Elvis? Do you know that song, uh... Are you lonesome tonight? Do you know? Are you lonesome tonight? Yeah, yeah, no, you. Yeah, do you know the line in that? Um, ah, oh, what's the actual line? It's like uh, the something, uh, and I've, I've actually forgotten the proper line of the song. I can only remember the gimmicky version that he sang at one event and started pissing himself laughing. I think the line is like, "Are you lonesome tonight?" There's something, 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 and it gets to like where he says, uh, "Do you wish I was still there?" But uh, he was doing it once at a live event, and there was a chap down the front row who was bald. And I got to that part of the song, and Elvis started laughing and goes, "Do you gaze in the mirror and wish you had hair?" And then pissed himself laughing and had to stop singing. It's, it's on YouTube. It's amazing. No yeah, it's it's hilarious. Are you a fan of Elvis? Uh, I. It's weird. I used to not be a big fan of Elvis at all, and then I would say in the last maybe three or four years, I've really started to get into Elvis. Really? Yeah, like that's I bizarre. Really, isn't it? really like Elvis now, man. Because the, in, I know you're not a fan, um, but I went to see a documentary on the Beatles the other night. Yes. And I haven't watched it. It was it was a documentary focusing on their live gigs for eight years. Um, so it wasn't anything after 69. I think it was like 61 okay. to 69. 
but I wasn't a huge fan. I did like their music, but after watching that, I had such an appreciation for them in terms of the different albums and the different kind of genre, how they reinvented yeah. themselves for each album. Like, they were, at the start, they were nothing more than, you know, a kind of pop band, a, a, a West boy Life, band. A Westlife of the 60s. Yeah, yeah, but then they just went into full-scale rock and roll. They found drugs. Yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. Jo- George Harrison got high as giraffe balls <laughs> and started... High as giraffe balls. <laughs> and started, you know what I mean? And that kicked them all into gear. But it like. was brilliant. And um, me Bezzy Shane Fitz loves them so that, yeah. this, this, that, that little comment about Beatles was um, more so for him just we'll run, a, we'll run a quick <laughs> tangent as well another Beatles fan the brilliant and amazing and one of our very 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 early guests Paul Howard he's a big Beatles fan um, his new book he, yeah he was I think he's working on something Beatles related but yeah. that's something different maybe Paul can elaborate on that someday if you ever bump into him and say hey I heard you anyway <laughs> his new book Game of Throw-Ins bestseller Shock. I mean, the man is unreal, isn't he? He just turns these books out for fun. Ross O'Carroll Kelly, Game of Throw-Ins, featuring local club Seapoint Rugby. Yeah. Congratulations, Paul. Congratulations, Seapoint. Fantastic read, lads. If you're a fan of Ross O'Carroll Kelly series, you're going to love it. If you've never read one of them in your life, lads, check them out. They're very funny. We went off on a tangent there. I'll finish explaining Turn the Blind Eye, will I? Yeah, do. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. So, El Horatio, um, he was in the battle, the Battle of Copenhagen. Right. And uh, Nelson's ships were pitted against a large Danish-Norwegian fleet. And his uh, one of his fellow sailors on another ship raised a retreat flag to say, we're getting our arse handed to us, son. We need to get out of here. But wasn't Horatio blind in one eye? No way. And then Horatio, in the panic of the battle, put the telescope up to the wrong shagging eye. <laughs> Don't turn a blind eye. So he missed the retreat flags. Battled on and won. Unbelievable. And that's where Torn a Blind Eye comes from. That's hilarious, isn't that's it? That's good. And like, does it say what year or that was? Or? 1801. So that's, oh wow. It's, yeah. I just find them so interesting. My next one is um, Eat Humble Pie. I love pie. I'll make you eat humble pie. Um, so the meaning is making an apology and uh, making an apology and suffering humiliation along with it. So, during the Middle Age, the lord of the manor would hold a feast after hunting. Yeah. He would receive the finest cut of meat at the feast, but those of a lower standing were served a pie filled with entrails and innards known as umbles. Therefore, receiving umble pie was considered humiliating because it informed others in attendance of the guest's lower status. That sounds grotesque. It does, doesn't it? Sounds grotesque, Graham. Yeah, big time. My next one is grotesque. Is <laughs> That was this, a segue. This maybe isn't a saying as such, but this is a twofer. I'm giving you two for the price of one here, right? Um, so the word grotesque, and I'm also going to explain where fiddling while wrong burns comes in. Because fiddling while wrong burns usually means to do something completely time-wasting, completely idle, during the time of an emergency. Right. Such as, people often say George Bush Jr. was fiddling while wrong burned because he was reading a children's book after the plane set on September 11th. Know what I mean? That kind of thing. That's yeah. So. That's still a crazy image, isn't it? <clears throat> That's insane. Absolutely insane, man. Uh, so, Philemon while Rome born, while Rome burns, rather, comes from the Roman Emperor Nero, allegedly set fire to the Palatine What's Hill. What's the saying called again? Fiddle while Rome burns. Oh, yeah. So, for example, if we were in a panic, if nothing was working here, and you were just on Snapchat there, 
We're like, Graham, stop fucking fiddling with Rowan Bourne's hair. Have you not? No. It's a very common expression. Google it if you don't believe me. No, no, I believe you. I just never heard it. All right, okay. Yeah, it just means to, like, be idle or do nothing at a time of crisis. Well. Because in 64 AD, Rome had a huge fire. And the Palatine Hill, Rome was built on seven hills, right? And pa- the Palatine Hill is, like, the central hill. It's the best one. It's, it would be the Cliny Hill of Rome, let's say. And on the Palatine Hill was where all the the rich kind of snobby Senate, like lads of the Roman Senate and that kind of thing, they all lived there. But Nero didn't like that. Nero wanted to knock down all their gas and build a golden house, the Doma Aurea, I think it was called. So essentially, he had this plan for a while, but there was people living on that hill. But then all of a sudden there was this big fire which people believed Nero set because it just happened to burn down the area that he wanted to build on. And while this fire was happening, he allegedly was sitting on one of the other hills, watching all this happening, fiddling, while singing a song about the destruction of Troy, another ancient city which burned down. The only problem, problem with that, the fiddle wasn't invented until, like, you know, when fiddle James was born. James Sherry invented yeah, the fiddle. Exactly. That's so, why we call him a fiddle. So obviously. so obviously Nero didn't have a fiddle because James McSherry didn't come along until 2,000 years later. Exactly, so. yeah. So, you know, but anyway, John Sherry's playing a lawyer. Anyway, the, no, he was a lawyer. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the shitty harp? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, anyway, the fire in 64 AD, burns everything down. Nero gets his way. He decides, I'm emperor. Bagsy's on that hill, building a gaff. So he starts to build this big, huge gold house. It's big, ugly, brash, vulgar. Just display of absolute, I don't give a fuckery, gold house. Nero commits suicide. His successor is embarrassed by this thing and decides not having it. Knocks it down, fills it, builds over the public baths. Gives back to the people. Fast forward 1,500 years and they're excavating this area and they start to find these walls and they're like, oh, it must be a cave. It's like a little grotto. But it wasn't. It was Nero's gaff, his big vulgar gaff. So when they find all these painted walls, they're like, it's very vulgar. But it's like a grotto, it's grotto-esque, but very vulgar. Hence, grotesque, ugly, vulgar, horrible. That's where it comes from. That was long. Yeah, it was a history lesson. <laughs> it was. I have said, I don't know how many times in this podcast, any excuse to get a bit of classical studies in here. <laughs> yeah, because you studied it. I'm, I'm going to civilise the masses, Graham. I'm going to civilise the masses. I could have yeah. gone into more detail about Romulus and Ramus and everything there, but I said I better not. No, <laughs> no go on if you want. Why are you joking? Yeah. Um, that's I did, I that's for mean, another week. I didn't mean to give you the cold shoulder there. <laughs> My next one is give the cold shoulder. Tell me more. So the meaning is a rude way of telling someone he isn't welcome. The history is, although giving someone the cold shoulder today is considered rude, it was actually regarded as a polite gesture in medieval England. After a feast, the host would let his guests know it was time to leave by giving them a cold piece of meat from the shoulder of beef, mutton or pork. I see. So if it was, it doesn't say why it turned into the opposite. Yeah. So although it gives us the meaning of it mm. today, the explanation is still a bit dodgy. It's still a bit dodgy. You seem uh, they're just crazy saying like they've made the, you seem like, quite happy with your research. So like and how you've how you've gone intrepidly about putting these phrases together. Right. But Graham, we're only 
35 minutes in, so I wouldn't rest on your laurels just yet. <laughs> I have one more as well. <laughs> so the saying resting on your laurels, that actually, that's now kind of associated with being a bit lazy or a bit complacent about like past successes and all. You're like, I won the mini league back in 97, like. No, I won in 96, man. Ah, so oh, you're so close. Yeah, summer of 96. Oh, yeah, exactly, there you go. So, like, your your footballing career is... You know, I They were calling league. me Pagliuca for years. Good enough, like... What's his name, Pagliuca? Uh, Pagliuca. Pagliuca, that's what Pagliuca. I said. yeah. Uh, the Italian keeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, wrestling on your laurels is um, back in the day, Greek athletes, when they won or whatever, would be given a crown of laurels. And if they were really good, they were given a bed of laurels, where people would, like, fan them and feed them grapes and all that kind of thing. Mm. And hence, you got to rest on your laurels because you were a success. But then it became this thing of being lazy and living on past glories. Hence, why today, if somebody says, don't rest on your laurels, it's like, a, get up your ticket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So go. Very good. Um, that one wasn't as long as the other one, was it? No, thank God. In fairness, that was a twofer. It was a twofer. It was a twofer. Um, my one next one is, my granda says this a lot with all the younger grandchildren. Like he'd always say, look at them, they're happy as Larry. Happy as Larry. And yeah. I always like, who the fuck is Larry? Yeah. Do you know, he always says it. Is it for the legend, Larry Manny by any chance? No, it's not, no. God, no. Okay. Um, the phrase happy as Larry, it originates from a boxer called Larry Foley in the 1890s. Before boxing was fully legalized, he won the biggest prize of about $150,000 and a newspaper article in New Zealand had the headline, happy as Larry. And the fa- and the phrase stuck. Amazing. That's deadly, isn't it? I love that. I love that man. Eighty and ninety. Yeah. I love the little etymologies of things. Like I love knowing little origins a bit. But like that, that happened like. in New Zealand, and now we say it like yeah, eighty and ninety. And, and like there was no Tinder net back then. No, not at all. There wasn't so even some, Tinder. Somebody had. <laughs> there was no swiping back There's then. There's no like. swiping left or you, right. If you wanted a mat, you There's had no to super go. matches or super likes or nothing. Nothing, man. If you wanted a mat, you had to go down to the market and barter with our da, <laughs> <laughs> get an arranged marriage. And be miserable. That's what had to happen. That's, like that's all it was. Man. You know, uh, I think that's how my dad made me mad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> out the fruit veg market out in town. <laughs> Classic. Uh, I don't think my man that listen. I think they gave up me years ago, so I'm safe. Did they? Vintage real. Vintage real, Murray. Um, yes. So, speaking of little bits of history, little bits of whatever. A while ago, we'd done a brief history of Fitzpatrick Castle. Yeah? And we said at that time that we would every so often dip into the history of surrounding areas and that. Yeah. But I found something that's too good to turn down. Right. It's not just surrounding areas. This is the history of Dublin, our fine capital and beautiful city. What's it about? It's about Hitler, Graham. Oh, yes. Hitler's (sighs) half-brother? Hitler's half-brother. Alois. Aloysius, Alois. Alois, Alois Hitler Jr. The main man named after his father and Adolf's father. Um, Alois moved to Dublin and was working in a restaurant as a waitress. Waiter. He was working as a kitchen porter. <laughs> I was actually trying to think of the words to Don't you want me, babe? <laughs> I was working as a waitress in, in a cocktail bar. I completely made a ball that. Much is true. Don't edit that out, man. I'm not. I'm going to leave That's that in. That's all right. Yeah. And always so, like feeling so, me. Yeah, he was, uh, he was working in the Shelbourne Hotel he as a waiter. He was a kitchen waiter. porter. Kitchen porter yeah, and waiter, yeah. yeah. 
and uh, he went to the Dublin Horse Show in the RDS, RDS of Leinster Rugby fame. Koi babe. And uh, he met a beautiful young woman by the name of Bridget Dolan. Bridget Dolan, yeah. He he was um, she was only seventeen and Hitler's That's Bruce Springsteen the river because you said she was just seventeen. And that's the lion from the river. So I just we segued straight into the Bruce Springsteen classic, I the, like river. That song, the River. Um, we went down to the. Come on, join in. <laughs> no, I don't know the words on. And into the river we down, oh, down to the river we ride. <laughs> no? Bridget Dowlin. Yep. She was 17. She was a grand girdle. Paddy. Or not Paddy. No, Paddy. No, Paddy Hitler is what we're getting to. <laughs> Paddy Hitler is what we're getting to. Eloise Hitler. Alois, Alois, yeah, something Alois. like that. A-L-O-I-S. Aloysius. If there's anybody out there of uh, Austrian slash German heritage who can tell us exactly how that's pronounced, please do. Alois. We're going to call him Aloysius. Al. Yeah, we call him Al. Al Hitler. Junior. Oh, wait, that could easily be confused with Adolf. No, Ad, not Ad. Okay. <laughs> well done. Don't edit that out either. I'm not. I'm coming across as a dope. Al Hitler Jr. Um, fell for Bridget Dolan, who was 17. Yeah. And um, he, he lied to her. He lied, no, he lied to the father. He lied to them all. Graham. He lied to them all. He, the, the father was like, no, you're not going near my daughter. But he said he was a famous hotelier. He did. From Eastern Europe. He did. And basically him and Bridget legged it. Done a legger they did. They done a legger because Bridget's dad wouldn't let her go. Yeah. And they legged it to Liverpool. They did. And they got married. They did. They had a child. William Patrick Hitler. They did. And then Al left her. Yeah. Shortly after. Done a runner on her. Done a runner. But. That good for nothing scamp. But there's accounts saying that Bridget. um, Bridget in the 30s or maybe the 20s. Bridget brought out a memoir. Yeah. And she said that Adolf visited them in 1913 in Liverpool and spent a year with them. But there's a lot of historians that are saying that didn't happen. They absolutely refute that. They yeah. refute that. So see, nineteen thirteen was very, very close to the time of World War One. World War One, and yeah. that's where we started. And I learning. left to go back and join the army. Yeah, and like around the time of World War One is where we started to get a huge amount of information on Hitler. Yeah. So I, I personally don't believe he spent a year in Liverpool. She, there's, but yeah, they were basically historians were saying that she, she was trying to. You know, cash in on oh, her. Yeah. That, that Adolf was her brother-in-law. He's actually just trying to cash in on the greatest supervillain ever yeah, in the yeah. history of this planet. Like, but then like, there's a great picture of her online where she's helping uh, kind of the victims of the war and the air raids. Yeah, and she's yeah. helping them for the Red Cross. Yeah, um, but they legged it to New York, didn't they? That's Patrick, right, yeah. William That's Patrick right. and Bridget. Yeah. They changed their name. I can't remember what they changed it to though. Ah. They changed their name. It's a double barrel. It is. You keep t- you keep telling the story. I'll Google it real quick. So yeah, it's a Bridget. Bridget never. I don't think returned to Ireland at all. Never. Um, and her dad was still going mad. Yeah. Um, especially when the whole World War Two thing kicked off. Yeah. You realise what she got herself into. Yeah, and whose family she was associated with. So they ch- they moved. Bridget and the son William Patrick moved to New York to try and set up. But Stuart Houston. Stuart Houston. That's it. But William uh, Willie Stuart Houston. Did William have kids? Because Bridget only had himself. Bridget only had the one, yeah. I'm going to find out now for definite if he... Uh, because is there is there any Hitlers left in New York? No. no. Is the that name, because they changed the name? I think so. The name Hitler is gone. 
there are no Hitlers in the German phone book. Right. Or the Austrian but one. But when, when I worked um, for a utility company and I answered the phone, they, I got an Adolf Hitler. Was that them just taking the piss? That was definitely them. Unless... Is that college students just saying taking over tenancy of a house? Acting the maggot. Acting yeah, the maggot. look, when I used to, I don't do it anymore because I only eat lettuce. When I used to order from Domino's and I'd like, write like... Oh, yeah, you'd write what you want. Yeah, exactly. But this is on a bill. Yeah, I know, slightly different, all right, yeah. But um, there you go, that's true story. Hitler's brother, Paddy Hitler, as he can uh, known because he worked in Dublin, Ireland, so in the Shelbourne Hotel. Paddy's the son. William Patrick was the son. Yeah. But it's Al. Hitler's brother, Al, Al Jr., that became known as Paddy Hitler. Because, because he of worked. his Irish connection exactly, that he worked in, yeah. in the Shelbourne. So, so um, he, stayed, he was in Ireland for two or three years, I think. Yeah. Um, Hitler's nephew um, actually went on to be in the Navy. In America, like the oh, US Navy. Right. Yeah. So he married a woman called Phyllis Jean Jacques, who was also born in Germany. This in is William 20s. Patrick? Yeah. Yeah. So he has kids that are. No, I don't think he ever had kids. All right. So then. He lived on Long Island. Um, so then so then Paddy Hitler's yeah. lineage is. Oh, gone. sorry, they did. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Sorry. Get this. He named his first son Alexander Adolf. William Patrick did? Yeah. Like... So he so, died in 87? Yeah. So when was this first kid born? Before or after World War II? 1949. Four years after it. Oh, Christ. Oh, like, sorry, that is the, the weirdest nod ever. Like, oh yeah, what do you want to call him? Alexander and a middle name? Adolf. Sorry? But it was the double barrel then, Stuart Houston. Yeah, but still, like, because... That's crazy, man. Holy... So Hitler's grandnephews are actually out there somewhere, like... Yeah. Oh my god. But you could, like. He died on July 14th, 1987, in Patagog, New York. Unexpectedly, wasn't it? Um, his remains were buried next to his mother at the Holy Spectre Cemetery. On Rhode Island. His widow. Rhode Island. His widow only died in 2004. She died in Houston, Texas. Oh my god. Yeah, but, like, there's nothing to Hitler, though. I mean, to Adolf. Well, they kind of are. They're his grandnephew, like. Yeah, but they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have met him or spent time. Yeah, with him, or I know that. And I'm not. I'd saying be more interested in people that had, like, if she's Bridget is saying that she spent a, a good year with Adolf while he was studying in 1911, 1912, I think, or 1213. Sorry, just um, none of the Stuart Houston sons have had children. His son Alexander Adolf, who became a social worker, said that contrary to speculation, there was no secret pact. To intentionally end the Hitler bloodline. Wow. That's mad. Yeah, it's a bit mad. It's crazy that he worked in the Shelbourne. Yeah, it is. We bring up the Shelbourne and confirm the money. You just be like, have you got any photos? (laughs) Um, Just get get, get me out to your HR department and see who worked there in 1912. I'm sorry, I just find that so bizarre that he named his first son. Yeah, it is bizarre considering World War II was just over. Like... Like World War Two was four years over, so at this stage, the horror and the, the, the just pure evilness of that man was well established. Like. Yeah, of course. Holy shit! That's bizarre, man. I just think that's mad. He named his son, like gave him the middle name Adolf. Like, there's no other Adolf you'd name that. No, it's wrong, man. It's wrong. Graham, enough of air waffling. <laughs> we have a guest to talk to. We do. We've been rambling for a while. Um, Lance, there is a. Big old conference coming to the RDS in the next couple of weeks. The 1-0 conference where the one and only Lance Armstrong will be at it. The one and only Sir Clive Woodward will be at it. And many other people who uh, will be delivering. There's a good few keynote speakers at it, I think, as well. 
But the man who's putting that all together is also the man behind the Sport for Business as well. And his name is Rob Harton. Rob, thanks for coming into us and having a chat. Good evening, guys. Great to be here. Thanks very much for having me. It must be a bit of a manic time at the moment. So coming in here, we appreciate that anyway. Like It's always manic. You know, the, biz- <laughs> the business of sport kind of rolls from one sport to another, one season to another, and uh, it's a kind of an always-on sort of a situation. So, um, yeah, the conference has been uh, has been a, a wonderful experience to get involved yeah. with. Um, we've got some, we really have got some great people coming over. Uh, you know, Lance Armstrong flying in from Austin, Sir Clive Woodward in a Lions year, especially. There's yeah, uh, there's, there's great traction. You know, he's you know he's a Rugby World Cup winner with England yeah. in 03. Uh, then he went on to lead the Lions in 05, and then in 2000. 2006, he joined the British Olympic Association. He was director of sport there, running in until 2012. So if we can't learn from a guy like that, then we really shouldn't be in <laughs> uh, you know, either business or in, in interested in sport. And um, yeah, Lance Armstrong uh, yeah. coming over. There's, uh, there's a lot of mixed opinion about him. Um, there's a lot of people who would think that we, you know, we should be strung up from a, from a very high pole for even having the temerity to ask him to come over. But I think especially at a time in 2016 when there is such a focus again on, you know, on doping, uh, yeah. on cheating, all of the things which he has now admitted to and will be speaking openly and freely with us about. Um, again, we can, we can learn from him in order yeah. to... In order to get you know into the mind of of somebody who would do so, um, you have to talk to them. You have to be willing to you know to engage and to listen. Um, it's very easy to just say no, I don't like him. I really mm. just you know sort of can't stand him. Um, we're bringing him here for the people that are you know that are willing to to listen. Yeah. And it's not a universally popular decision, but. You know, that was the reason behind it, was it? In in like when you're setting these conferences up and you're kind of you have a, um, a wish kind of basket of guests that you want to come up with. How did Lance Armstrong come up? I think it was it was the fact that 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 whole sort of area of uh, you know of doping is mm. really in the spotlight now. Like he was he was a lightning rod for everything that was going on around there. Um, he certainly wasn't the first, um, but he was without not, doubt not the last either. The, well, without <laughs> without doubt the most high profile. Um, I've been writing an awful lot about Olympics and ticketing scandals and things like that. The fancy the bears uh, <laughs> and the fancy bears. So I'm I'm very <laughs> conscious of speaking carefully uh, in, around anything where yeah. uh, lawyers might be listening. But um, yeah, no, I think you're probably right. I I think that there will be uh, other cases of doping, unfortunately, which will probably emerge from Rio. We're still finding from yeah. Beijing and London that there's medal winners being stripped of their, uh, you know, of, of their their gold, silver, or bronze. Um, you know, it, the, this world of elite sport is the stakes are so high now um, in terms of honour, in terms of glory, in terms of financial reward that the um, you know the the opportunity to to go one step beyond what's legal is always going to be really challenging and I, I'm interested and you know the guys I, I'm not doing this alone there's a great team um, Ross O'Dwyer and Richard Barrett from from Pundit Arena Clyde Richardson and and um, and the guys in, in venues worlds that are helping us with the logistics and putting it on really really good team of people um, you know we're we're interested in finding out 
what goes on at those margins? What is it that actually tips you from being a, a you know an absolutely world class athlete yeah. into needing to take that extra step, needing to break the rule to go beyond? And I think that that's going to be a, a fascinating conversation because it's got so much more than just what happened to Lance Armstrong. Mm. It's about what it is that's going to face other athletes in that level, at that level of ability in the coming years. Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think whatever about Lance being a polarizing figure, I mean, like I, I personally wouldn't be as big as fan, but at the same time, I follow the story closely. I watched the interview with Oprah. When he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, I listened to that, I'd say, two or three times. It's a very good interview. Um, you know, and since then, I've, I've watched documentaries that have came out. I've read Seven Deadly Sins by, by David Walsh. You know, so he does have this kind of almost disappeal, whether you like him or not, you want to know about the story and that. So the opportunity to see him in Dublin talking about this, talking candidly mm. about this situation, as you said, getting his mindset and his opinion on the wider situation surrounding dope and surrounded athlete performance, given some of the things you've seen recently. Yeah. It's a great opportunity. Like. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, even personally, I was a huge fan. I just thought that these guys who were climbing, uh, you know, you know, climbing in the Tour de France day in, day out, that it really was an absolutely superhuman effort. And I wanted to believe so much that a guy who had fought back from, from cancer... Yeah. was able to do that so I, when he came over for the tour of ireland there were question marks about him at the time but i was a believer because i wanted to believe so much and i brought the kids down we went down to bantry and we saw him in the lashing rain just to sort of catch a glimpse of a guy who i believed had pushed the boundaries of sport beyond mm. what anybody had imagined possible um when he stopped defending himself then I realized that if you're innocent, you never stop defending yourself. And so yeah. that broke my spirit. And I, I strange, I, I felt personally betrayed by the guy. And I think that's a, an experience that a lot of people have had, that we believed for longer than we really should have, for longer than was logical. And when we were proven to be wrong, it made us look like fools. Mm. So, you know, uh, even though I haven't met, Lance Armstrong, yes, but I will do in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I feel as though I, you know, he's he's been a part of my sporting story, of my yeah. sporting life, in a way that a lot of people genuinely feel. I, I don't know, I can't put my finger on what it was, but he was he was such a, a colossus in his sport, mm. and you know, he had this rare ability, but then he went too far. Um, I really want to know why. I want to know. I want to know much more. Like the Oprah interview, and I've heard him speak about that. About how he really shouldn't have done that. He knows that he shouldn't have done that. It yeah. was. It was bad. It was self-serving. He wasn't really answering any questions. Um, that's all changed. You know. He's. Yeah. I've heard him speaking. I heard him speaking with Joe Rogan. Um, you know, really. You know, unraveling yeah. the kind of story that 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 is his. I think in, Joe made him comfortable, didn't he? He did, yeah, he and it was it was honest. Um, you know, they were talking about going out drinking and mm. all sorts of you know stuff yeah. that that wouldn't have been in the in the normal run of things. Um, and I, I I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I think it's I think it's going to be I think it's going to be an electric moment. You know, we're going to have we're going to have over a thousand people in the RDS, and yeah. if anybody drops a pin, I am guarantee that uh, you know that, that that you that you will hear it it's going to be you know it's going to be Lance Armstrong in the spotlight 
telling us as it is and painting a picture for us as to how sport can go wrong and what we can do, what we can learn from that in order to try and bring it back from the brink and make it better for the future generations that are coming. But but this Lance Armstrong fall from grace isn't the only thing happening. It's a full day, this event. Uh, It's... It's it is going to be great. I, you know, yeah. I, I'm pinching myself at the fact, you know, at the people that we've got coming over for us. We've we've got Lance, we've got Sir Clive Woodward, we've got Shane Lowry is dropping by. He's Brilliant. going to have a chat with us. Um, we've got Munir Zok, who is a guy who, you know, I've just completely fallen for. He's the head of innovation and technology with the U.S. Olympic Committee, and he's flying in from the from the West Coast. It's going to be his only European appearance this year. First time speaking publicly post the Olympics when Team USA won 121 medals. Plus the, the Ryan Locked affair as well. Yeah. Again, you know, he's just going to be able to give us so much information about what it takes to really perform at the very highest level. We've got a media panel. We've got the head of content on Eurosport. We've got the uh, we've got the head of content coming over from Bleacher Report. It's the best group of. Wow people in the business of sport and that are generally you know sort of defining the future of sport that we've ever gathered together definitely in dublin and you could argue anywhere you know across europe or the states i mean we've got a panel on investment we've got a panel great panel including the guys that ran the fifa world cup in uh, in esports you know where there was millions of people competing on that like yeah. esports is probably going to be the next it's, massive thing and we've got three of the guys there that just uh, that have been running that for the, the last couple of years th- this esports thing is something that some people may not still what be is familiar it? with it's electronic sports right so like playing fifa against people is like esports but it's going like, to be a s- it's yeah, th- th- like it is. It's it's blowing up. It's well, proper sport. West Ham yeah. were the first Premier League club to actually sort of get develop their own team. Now, pretty much all of them have got their own teams, so they're competing in FIFA. You know, FIFA as we know it, like FIFA. Okay, on, a, so on the FIFA, Xbox. Yeah, FIFA yeah. is the world governing body of football. But for most people now, FIFA is a game. It's the yeah. console that you're playing with in your hands. Whether you're, you know, from the age of seven up to the age of seventy-seven, uh, you know, millions of people playing in this. And you know, we we, we want to know what it is. That's the, the tournaments are being sponsored. You've got as much advertising going into that as you have into the into the into the main soccer oh leagues now. Oh my goodness! Huge uh, prize bills, absolutely people, massive. People are making money. And you know, the real benefit of 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 electronic sport is that you can play it at any time. Whereas yeah. mm. if you if you've invested millions in in Lionel Messi or in you know in Wayne Rooney or in uh, you know yeah. uh, you know in Goli Kante or anybody like that, they can only play once a week whereas in FIFA sure it's on all the time every day so you, can, you can play game after game after game and uh, and we want to know because it's it's the big comer in sport so we've brought together the panel of people that really understand what it's about we've got a panel on innovation we've got a panel on sports investment we've got some of the the biggest venture capitalists and some of the biggest investors in sports startups that are actually coming along to join us as well um and you know it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great day we're going to we're, we're going to look at how sport is going to be in you know over the over the next four or five years and it's going to be fascinating it really you wouldn't want to miss it this is the first one zero conference is that right it is we we had a we had a small gathering of uh, you know of, of people involved in the business that we that we brought together in dublin 
last year and the feedback from that was such that we thought okay there's a gap in the market here there isn't there isn't a big sports and technology uh, gathering that mm-hmm. takes place anywhere else like the you get a lot of companies that will go to mobile uh, mobile world or that will go to say it or will go to other you know electronic uh, the you know the consumer electronic show in las vegas but the, the combination of sport and technology and bringing it together and, and looking at where the future of sport is going, um, there really hasn't been. Like there's, you know, there are a few conferences in London where you get, you know, sort of the, you know, the heads of organizations that will get up and will, will tell their story. But generally speaking, they're kind of defending a patch almost. They're telling their yeah. story and, and the fact that they're on top means that everything that they've done is great. Um, we're going to be a little bit edgier than that. We're going to, we're going to poke, we're going to prod, you know, have Having Lance Armstrong trying to have a conversation about where the future of doping is going, that's edgy. That's not your regular, uh, you know, staple diet of a, of a yeah. sporting conference. And we've got great ambitions for this. We've already had conversations with people in, in other countries about putting on versions of it, um, you know, in, in, in their venues. But, you know, but we're we're all from Dublin. We're, you know, we're rooted in Dublin. We're, we, we, we love putting on something which is going to be great for Ireland. We've had great support as well. Falter Ireland have been backing us. Um, Bank of Ireland are involved uh, you know, in the event. Uh, Ogilvy, the, the big, huge yeah. uh, advertising and marketing agency uh, with a load of different companies involved in sport, they're right behind us as well. So we've got a, we've got a global reach and a global network of people that we're, you know, that we're calling on to help us in bringing this whole thing together. And... Um, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. 10con.com. Uh, there are still tickets available for it now. They start off uh, at 175 for, you know, for the full day of activity and it'll culminate in uh, in getting to see um your man. Lance your Lance. man Lance. What type of um like who who's it kind of directed at in terms of the punters? Who would who would this benefit? It's it's going to be anybody who's got an interest in where sport is and where sport is going. So there's a lot of businesses, there's a lot of sporting organisations in Ireland that are already signed up for it. Um, there's you know there's a lot of businesses involved in in sponsorship. Like you know we'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit about sport for business and where that is. But mm-hmm. there's a hundred and hundred and thirty million of uh, of money is sponsor in sponsorship funds going into sport in wow. Ireland alone. It's massive business, and you know the people who are spending that money and the people who are looking at that. From from the likes of AIB, the likes of AIG, and in, involved in Dublin, yeah. Elveries, Lifestyle Sports, um, you know the Vodafones, the Threes, um, Air Sport, uh, you know RTE, News Talk Media. People are just generally interested. Like sport is, it's kind of like our new religion. Um, you know, it's the one thing that people consistently talk about like you know when you if you're walking down uh, Kildare Street they're not talking about politics they're not talking about house prices because it's Ireland yes they're talking about the weather but generally it's going to be all about sport like I was walking around town today and every conversation that I picked up on was still two days afterwards it was still all about you know how did Dublin you know perform like that (laughs) you know God, wasn't Killian O'Connor brave to you know to put that ball over over the um, over the bar towards the death? How on earth did they find seven minutes of uh, you know of injury time to play? And you know all of those conversations are going on. They're talking about the Premier League. They're talking about Conor McGregor. They're talking about uh, you know the Irish rugby team heading out to the states to play against New Zealand. 
it's what we do it's in our dna sport and yeah. you know being able to put on something that is going to look at the future of that is something that is just hugely attractive from a from a business point of view from a you know from an entertainment point of view i mean if you've got if you're in business and you've got a, a client that you really want to sort of show a good time to yes you can take them out for a nice dinner but if you take them along to something like this they will remember you forever mm. yeah you mentioned that tickets start at 175 which for some people might be a bit of a stretch but in saying that, as you said, it, it's an entire day. It starts at what, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., sorry? It does. It starts it early in the morning. It'll run through until the early evening. Um, there, is a, there is a fairly packed program. It's filled and all cover. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, not a, it's not a gig. It's not yeah. a match. Mm. You know, um, I paid 80 euros to go and see Dublin against Mayo, and that was, that was fabulous entertainment. It was an All-Ireland final. Um, this is different. It's, yeah. you know, there is, a, there is a, a, a business element to it. If you're working for somebody and you've got any relationship to sport then you know you need to persuade your boss that this is something that you really can't afford to miss um you know but uh you know ticket sales are strong we we, we know that there's going to be a really good audience in the room and um, it's going to be really really exciting to actually be involved with absolutely one zero con.com and what's the date again friday july friday <laughs> july. october the 21st <laughs> october 21st yeah. so there's still a bit of time anyway but do loads of time. do get there quick because tickets are being snapped up basically they? they are indeed yeah i think those those early the the, the shorter price tickets are uh they're, they're going pretty yeah. quickly now but look you know it's there is there is still room um you know we've as i said we only announced announced shane lowry uh, during the course of, of 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 the past week that he yeah. was he was joining onto it as well um He's a great guest yeah. to get. He is, and he and it's nice to be able to put somebody Irish onto the stage mm, in absolutely. Dublin as well that is playing at at a, at a world level. Mm. Um, you know, he's he, he he missed the cut for the for the Ryder Cup this year. That was unfortunate, uh, but you know, he he put up such a brilliant performance in the U.S. Open. He won the yeah. Bridgewater, um, yeah. and he's the kind of guy that people really like. They really respond. Such a likable character. Yeah, he is. So he's got a fantastic beard as well. He does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people say the beard are you know are on the way out but i'd never comment on something like that um you know shane 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 is a fine beard um and he's a fine golfer and he's a really decent guy so he's gonna he's gonna add to the mix on the day for sure and as you say he missed the Ryder cup cut so it'll be interesting to get his perspective yeah. on the Ryder cup because by the end results will be in so yeah it certainly will if uh, if europe win then obviously darren made exactly the right call and yeah. i'm sure the chain will be magnanimous and, <laughs> and, and and very supportive in his comments if the usa win might be make it a little bit more interesting yeah. but uh, he's never been one to really hold back before shane yeah, whether no. he's on the tee box or whether he's in front of a microphone so um you yeah. like when drago was left out of the lines oh, don't bring up don't bring up <laughs> <laughs> we can't we can't ask clive woodward about that because he wasn't involved with the lions at that time but That's um right, yeah. yeah you know the it's it is it's well, I suppose every year is a wonderful year of sport, but the Lions is definitely one that's going yes. to, uh, you know, to really begin to ramp up this time around. And again, Ireland playing against the All Blacks uh, yeah. in a big AIG event over in uh, over in Chicago, uh, you know, come November. So even though you look out and you say, well, there's no Euros, there's no Olympics, there's no World Cups, but you know, every next twelve months in sport is just there's always something full of stuff. There's always something. Um, so yeah, so the one zero conference lads in the audience, you need. You need to check it out and, and get along to it if you can because, as Rob said, there's not anything else really in Dublin or Ireland for that matter that's offering 
the kind of the access you're going to be getting to people and their stories with that um so you've along with other people rob you've pulled all that together so tell us a bit about yourself then in terms of how you managed to use your clout to pull these people together at one event in one day in little old dublin um it's funny you know um you never think that you actually have clout you never think that i'm a great believer in in on mo dirac the you know just asking people to do stuff and that's how i've managed to build sport for business and to be fair it was it was ross and and richard and clyde they they came to me and they asked me last year would you be interested in in getting involved in this and i did mc for the first event and we sat down and we sort of thought geez this has really got great potential let's you know let's try it let's just roll the dice and 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 go for it um and we're all of of a similar bent that we just say yeah look it, you know there's no point in thinking somebody's going to say no mm. you don't know until you ask so we ask and you know some people turn us down some people say yeah absolutely love to be involved uh sometimes we're surprised by the people who say yes um that's exactly like us with guests. Play, yeah. <laughs> it's great you know if you, if you if you do a good job and if you treat people well along the way then generally people will actually look to support you so mm. you know i've been listening to you on you guys on the podcast you do a great job oh, and, thanks very much and, Thank and, you. And, and when you rang i said yeah absolutely no problem at all you know i'll i'll just get the under nine coaching and cooler out of the way and then i'm <laughs> Straight down there to uh, to Fitzpatrick, <laughs> lovely hotel that it is, and uh, and and we'll have a chat. But brownie but, points there. <laughs> but but that is but that is at the heart of it. You know, if you if you're doing if you're doing a job well, people will respond to that, and they yeah. will come to you. So that when you ask, when you ask them to you know to take a step beyond what they would have perhaps considered in the past, then you know they they are they're willing they're willing to come on board. So. I've managed to do it. Sport for Business was was really just an idea in the back of my mind four years ago. I'd worked in sponsorship and I'd worked in, in the gambling industry and in, and in horse racing. And I always thought that there was a a better relationship that could be struck between people involved in sport who've got all of this passion and this engagement and this interest from the mass market and people in business who are looking to engage with that mass market. And it was it was always the case that a sponsor would sort of end a sponsorship and I kind of had a sense that they always thought mm, I wonder could I have done that a little bit better and the rights holder might have thought oh I wonder if I'd just been able to actually sort of forge that relationship a little bit closer or bring them in a different direction then I wouldn't be out looking for somebody else so what we did was we we set up I said I want to just create a community of people with a shared interest in making sport and business work better together. And we produce a daily news digest now. I produce about sort of 3,000 words every morning. I get up at 5 o'clock because I think better then and I think straighter. Well, I think I do anyway, and some <laughs> people say nice things about it. Um, and now we've got, there's 170 organizations, I think, that are that are involved wow. with us now. Everybody from, you know, from Vodafone and Air through to AIB to Bank of Ireland to 
um, you know, all, all of the big sports organisations, uh, Leinster Rugby, the FAI, the GAA, um, Pori Duffy, the, the Director General of the GAA, he said to me um, a while back, he said, I, I, I don't know how you do it, but I love what you do. And he says, it's the first email that I look for in the morning and it sets me up for the day. And when you get somebody in a position who has real clout, yes. like Corey <laughs> Duffy has, and when, you, when I know that, you know, when I press send, that's going directly into, in, in front of his eyes and he's yeah. looking at that and he's one of, you know, 3,000 people that are looking at it each morning. Um, that inspires me to carry on doing the right thing. It's very niche. You know, I'm not writing about match reports from, you know, from the previous day. If I'm talking about the All-Ireland football final, which I've got a real passion for, I'm talking in terms of how Elveries and AIG and Air and Super Value and, you know, all of the sponsors, how AIB managed to bring Roberto Wallace out onto the pitch, in, you know, at halftime and have the chat. It's those little bits, those little bits around the edges on the, the business side of it and the commercial world. That's my market. That's yeah. what I've got to an interest in and a passion for and people have been kind enough to say that I can write about it and think about it in a way which just helps to clarify things a little bit more so you know it's it's been great we wouldn't be anywhere without the people that have actually supported us you know what I do is is merely hold up a mirror to what other people are doing really well and perhaps if that helps them to see better what it is that they're doing then they'll appreciate what we're doing and everybody wins so small for business and obviously and you mentioned kind of it's very much the, the commercial aspect of sport and you said earlier sport is almost our new religion and i'd agree with you you don't see people going to mass anymore you see them going to the match or watching the match or whatever the case may be on a sunday so with that in mind kind of the, the small for business website then and the packages that you offer and that kind of thing who because you offer them to, to clubs organizations but also individual members can sort of avail of what you've got yeah there's a there's a lot of individuals there's a lot of um there's a lot of people who would love to break into the world of sport um whether they be the studying at the at the moment like the you know the membership an online subscription um you know is 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 200 euros for the year um you know as you as as the organizations get bigger and as the corporates it, it it goes up you know, for an organisation like Paralympics Ireland, for example, or Irish Wheelchair Sport, both of whom are mm. members, they'd pay €500 Euros a year. And they've got access to all of the information we have. They've got access to the events that we put on, uh, access to a wider network of community whereby, you know, we can shine a spotlight on what it is that they're doing well, which might be attractive. It might be to an organisation like PwC or Deloitte or, or AIB or, uh, you know, any one of the big sort of professional accountancy firms firms, the banks, the mobile telephone companies, RTE have been great supporters of ours. We do yeah. a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, it just sort of it, it puts people onto the onto the radar of, of other bigger organizations. And if you're interested in sport, then it's it's a way of, of showing that sort of that business side of it. Because the mainstream media doesn't really cover it. It's it, you yeah. know it's more interested in you know in whether Bernard Brogan has you know has found his scoring form. I'm more interested in you know how many brands Bernard Brogan is working with in advance of the final and how uh, you know his own business now is is involved in in promoting sport and promoting the sport that he's still starring in. So, so well, it, yeah, is it a tool in kind of for for networking for some people? So you mentioned kind of the business like AIG or PwC or whoever it may be, and then somebody like the, the, the Irish Wheelchair Association or whatever, kind of 
those people then kind of intertwining possible sponsorships arising is that kind of how these things start to come together through sport for business it is the best way the best way of creating any business relationship is to have a personal relationship and we provide the the room in which people can actually come together so you know just last week we had a we had a, a, a networking evening it was part of a of a big global event that was taking place all over from new york to london to melbourne and australia all the way over to um, to california and everywhere in between and we had 120 people uh, gathered in town in uh, in harry's on the green uh, great venue nice big screens and we did some conversations. I had a conversation with Roisin Glynn, who looks after the social media side for AIB, about how she was getting ready and how she was planning for Sunday's All-Ireland Final. Um, we had John Gillick, who's the sponsorship manager with AIG, uh, looking at just the connection that they as a brand have been able to forge with the uh, you know with the Dublin football team and management and and how it works for them other than just the sort of the big the big brand on the shirt um, and then we looked at you know a slightly different aspect of it as well I had Kate Kirby from um, you know for, who was Annalise Murphy's sports psychologist out in Rio. And Kate was able to give us, she was able to share some insight as to how she was able to help. And she was very modest about it, um, but how she was able to help Annalise to actually achieve beyond what she might have thought possible uh, going out into the into the Rio games. And I asked her for one final piece of advice before we we wrapped it up. And uh, and she said that, uh, you know, never dwell on your failures. Everybody will fail. But what you you learn from it and then you just push it to one side and you just move on and if there was one thing to come out from the night you take that from us because yeah. we try we try a thousand things uh, you know a, a month in sport for business and you know maybe there's maybe there's a hundred of them that work uh, which means that there's 900 of them that don't but you just you learn something from you know from everything you do and if you can capture that and just do it a little bit better the next time around then you know that 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 helps people there's sometimes um there's sometimes a reluctance in the media over here to cover kind of say um Paralympic games um kind of their their minority sports um but then when it comes to the f- we've just the Paralympic games have just ended and RTE have kind of they've, they've done a lot better than the last Paralympic games in London where you thought they possibly would have capitalized seeing it was just across the water which they didn't but they did a, a better job this time around would because they're kind of both in sport for business would that have happened there or I I I, would, I wouldn't lay claim to it. Allianz, yeah, yeah. Allianz are members as well, and I think Allianz was certainly they were the glue that brought that whole combination together. together so that you had you it's had, a networking process, nearly like it is. I mean, I've I've known Liam Harbison, the Paralympics Ireland CEO, now for for a number of years. He was a great supporter right from the get go, and uh, and you know he's he's one of the people that I would admire most in in the whole of Irish sport. And when they launched the the London campaign, when the team was going over to London, um, you know, Liam had this great sort of little video clip of, uh, I I think it was, it was actually, it was Jason running in in Beijing. Jason Smith. Yeah. And they were, 
you know, and it was it was a lovely piece of video footage. And I said to him afterwards, I said, God, have you got more of that stuff? Because that's just brilliant. That really brings it to life. And he smiled and he said, no, that's it. We just didn't have any coverage of the Paralympics in Beijing. And Beijing is only 2008. Yeah. Like it's only, you know, two cycles ago. Um, so when London came around, Allianz got together with, uh, with Satanta Sports, as was now Air Sport. And they put on great coverage. And RTE took some of that the Satanta went went free to to air for some of the programming as well, and we were able to get to see Michael McKillop and Jason Smith and Mark Rowan and you know great athletes putting in world class performances. And so it was you know there was pressure from that on RTE then to say you know you're a public service broadcaster, this is an event which is gathering real momentum with the public. And to be fair to RTE, they really do. They they put in a huge amount of effort. Sometimes it's in radio. Sometimes it's online. They did brilliant this time around. They, they had did. a brilliant anchor in Joanne Cantwell. And Joanne was great. She shone during the Olympics. And Deronia Mulvihill was an absolute star. I've known Deronia now. She's been working in RTE, sort of in behind the scenes. And she did a couple of documentaries over the last couple of years. And I knew as soon as they said that she was going to be involved in it, I knew that she was going to she was going to be able to step up. And, you know, she understands that. She understands what it's like to have to face you know challenges in terms of your own you know physical makeup and that was that was special i mean you know i i watched i watched a lot of this of it on on RTE. i watched a lot of it on channel four as well channel four had this program the last leg brilliant show. which brilliant was show. like that was just brilliant television never mind the fact that it yeah. was you know that it was it was almost it was almost you know sort of you know kicking the legs out from underneath yeah. people who have lost their legs it yeah, was, yeah 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 <laughs> it was but, it, but it's it was, not even it's it doesn't even air it airs all the time now it's not only paralympic cycles it's not every four years mm-hmm. that's yeah. a seasonal show now on channel four calendar it's fantastic yeah. it is and you know the the most important thing about the paralympics is that it has changed people's perception on what it is to have a disability rather than you know people sort of looking the other way because they don't know what to say or they don't know what to do or anything like that and um, now all of a sudden we understand that yeah it's a challenge but you know this is absolute elite sport mm. and it's just it's different to the way that we traditionally think of it. But that has had an impact, I hope, I genuinely believe, on the way that we actually look on disability as well, so that we don't we don't see the wheelchair. We see the person in the wheelchair. Mm. And I think sport has got this ability to really sort of cut through in a very emotional and a very visceral way uh, through an awful lot of stuff, an awful lot of preconceived notions that we might have, whether it be in terms of national identity or, you know, the human spirit or anything else. And I think that the Paralympic Games, you know, have done that to, uh, you know, to a large degree. I, it still grieves me that more people weren't watching the Paralympics and as many people mm. weren't watching the Paralympics as were watching the Olympic Games because I think that the standards and the levels of achievement that were achieved in Rio in the second games of the uh, you know of, of August and September were probably far in excess. I know mm. some of the weightlifters that pound for pound are beating you know able-bodied athletes yeah. in terms of, of what they're actually yeah. able to Look at the guns on this lad, huh? <laughs> I tell you, I'm, I'm just glad I'm sitting across the table, you know, because like I, if I'd said anything wrong there, you know, I, w- I would have been I would have been terrified. But but you know, I, I know that you're out there on the uh, on the court, you know, sort of doing the yeah. doing the wheelchair basketball, and I've seen I've seen wheelchair rugby, uh, you know, the sort of the you know the famous murder ball, sort yeah, of triple stuff crown that's, winner, right there, going on. 
Crown Triple Widow. Crown Widow. Wow, I am in the presence of greatness. Now. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I just think you know, it's not, it's not condescending in any way. I just think that you know, what is what is capable of being achieved in Paralympic sport is is superhuman. We talked earlier about how I sort of seen Lance Armstrong as being superhuman in mm. terms of what he was capable of achieving, but Channel Four really tapped into this from london when they sort of they themed the whole paralympics as superhuman and that's exactly what it is it's yeah. human but it's actually beyond it's beyond yeah. you know you know what what's happened is that you've you've taken a, a real challenge that, that that's in your life yeah. and you've refused to lie down you've refused to say okay that defines me no if i want to play basketball that's what defines me yeah, yeah. not yeah. whether it's in a wheelchair or whether i'm six foot eight inches tall or anything else um you know and that's that that is so important that's more important than a million medals it's more important than than anything else if we can change the way that we as human beings interact with each other that's what sport is all about. And it was great though as well with uh, Channel 4's coverage since London because they, to, you were saying about the education part, the education Joe Soap. Um, what I felt uh, they did that by introducing this, uh, comedians with disabilities and the way they do the last leg is just, if anyone hasn't watched it, they need to go back and watch it because it's just brilliant television. I tell you, not only that, but there's a good opportunity to see it firsthand December 17th in St. Lawrence College. Yeah, Ballybrack Bulls were hosting the league on December 17th in Lawrence College. Um, so, yeah, come along. We're playing Connorsley at 2.15. Rob, you're more than welcome to come up. I am I am going to be there. That's yeah. that's definitely on my calendar. Let me get through one zero first. Yes, and then, absolutely. Uh, and then that's right in, right in my... Uh, Only up the road as well. That's it. Right in my sight lines. Um... You mentioned you're involved with a brilliant local organisation as well, Cooler GAA. Um, you're coaching the kids there. Something like that, that grassroots, or even Ballybrack Bulls, for example, um, using something like sport for business. It, I, I don't know, am I oversimplifying this or am I missing the message? Does somebody like one of the guys from either Cooler, Ballybrack Bulls, or, or I know there's some of the lads from Seapoint Rugby that listen, you know, could they utilise sport for business in terms of potentially using that for I don't know they, they, they need funds to get a new kit or whatever the relationships they build through something like that they could uh, if if you go to if you go to sportforbusiness.com at the moment you'll see that it tends to be at the sort of uh, you know at a, at a more of a national level we write okay. an awful lot about grassroots and uh, and I try not to write too much about cooler because I'm sort of living and breathing <laughs> that that's, yeah that's the that's the that's the that's the nine until until midnight uh, <laughs> job but the um but 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 I'm I'm very conscious working with so many of the sports organizations I'm very conscious of the fact that there is a glaring need within grassroots sport for funding for governance for an understanding of how they can make their membership actually work for them so we're in in november in between one zero and the the bulls uh, you know sort of top performance on december the 17th we're going to have a we're going to have a small roadshow we're, we're working with a, a number of really good organizations one called two into three which is
is a professional fundraising organization uh, which is helping a significant number of sports and not-for-profit charity organizations to identify ways that they can help themselves um, we're working with my club finances who run an awful lot of the club membership schemes and we're working with a number of other organizations to put on a roadshow we're going out into the country we're going to go to Athlone we're going to cater for the the, the Midlands group first um, then we're going to go down to Cork um, and then we're going to come back up to, to Dublin as well in mid-November and we'll be yeah we'll be we'll be promoting that uh, as a way of of helping clubs and smaller sporting organizations to really tap into a lot of experience which has been gained mm. over the last number of years in an online world you really get to know so much more about your membership now and a club like Kula, which is fabulous, we've got you know we've got seventeen hundred members, we've got over ninety teams that are that are out there playing. We've got a massive base that we can tap into, and and there's not many clubs that would have a, a similar size to that. But what we've learned in Kula can be of value to other clubs as well, and what Kula can learn from other clubs will mm-hmm. be of value to them because nobody knows all of the answers. I certainly don't know all of the answers, but. I kind of know where to look for some of them. And if we can if we can roll that out into something which will be of benefit to clubs uh, across the country and just as importantly, across all the codes. So somebody who's running, you know, Cabin Teeley Soccer Club or Seapoint Rugby Club or uh, Glenageary or Monkstown Tennis Club are going to be able to learn something from a GA club or a... 10-pin bowling club or yeah. anything else you know there's an awful lot more that unites us in terms of running sport than would ever divide us even though it might not seem like that at times but you know I'm I'm doing some work with uh, with Dunleary Rathdown the county council in terms of trying to identify ways in which sport can be helped to develop facilities so that the council can actually sort of you know invest wisely and um, you know and have a strategic approach to you know to developing new facilities or upgrading existing facilities or maintaining existing facilities because you know sport does a really good job at encouraging people to play um, you know and local authorities have a really important job in providing the facilities which mean that they don't have to go out and actually sort of you know buy land and yeah. buy pitches that's grand if you're down in, in Tipperary or over in Donegal where you know where every farmer will be able to give you a bit of an outfield uh, to put a pitch on but in the Leary Rathdown or in Dublin City Council area or South Dublin there's not many bits of old fields to actually yeah. play on so we have to be smarter about the limited resources that we have at our disposal and it's another area that uh, you know that I you know I, I like to get involved in we like to I like to do stuff which, you know, whatever small knowledge of, of sport and business I've been able to gain can actually be out there for, you know, for the, for the good of the community. That makes me sound a little bit like a Mother Teresa and I'm, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm not, I can assure you. But, but I, do like to, I do like to try and do the right thing. And, uh, you know, and I genuinely believe that sport is a great thing for, you know, it's a great thing for kids, it's a great thing for adults, it's a great thing for elderly people. You know, we're, we're, we, we owe it to ourselves to be physically active. And sport is the, the easy way to become physically active. It's not just about sport. It can be about walking. It can be about anything which gives you, you know, a sense yeah. of actually movement. Um, and so, you know, if I can help in any way to, you know, to make that happen, then that's a, that's a good day's work. Well, to, to change the pace a little bit then, so that you, you definitely don't get painted as a Mother Teresa type. <laughs> there, especially because we talked a little bit about the Olympics, I suppose, so we can even direct this question towards that. There are some people who would say that commercialization of sport is an ugly thing, that 
it takes away from the purity or you know the, the, the finances are insane and if you look at Premier League footballers or if you look at like even like some of the, the sponsorship deals in, in French and, and English rugby and that kind of thing that it's all very ugly but it, it obviously has a natural side to it that that's the way professional sport goes but do you kind of ever think, Jesus, yeah, or maybe it is a bit overly commercialized? Or? I think that you just need to get things in perspective. Like the the Olympic Games, as they are, are a, a vast machine, which, you know, which does good for all of the constituent member sports throughout the four years that the Games aren't actually on. That could never happen without commercial support. Um, the Premier League would not exist without commercial support. Professional rugby could not exist without commercial support. And, you know, when when we see um, the RDS Arena going through redevelopment now and that'll yeah. go from, you know, from 18 up to, you know, to well over 20,000, 21,500, um, you know, patrons in there in a more comfortable seated facility, watching better rugby, dare I say, than might have been played in Leinster rugby. It was different. Yeah. But I would say it was better. Um, still, it's, it's still faster, no roof on it's the, stronger. Still no roof on the north or south terrace, though, lads. Come on. No, that's right, yeah. Well, you've <laughs> got to take it in small steps, yeah. you know. Um, the, you know, so, like, uh, commerce and business does have a role to play in making sport mm. better. Sport can exist in a kind of a purified bubble, um, maybe, but it can't exist to the extent that we would be able to turn on a television and flick through probably as many as 16 channels to watch live sport at any moment of yeah. the day. Um, you know, we're, we're lucky that, that we live where we live because we can see all of the U.S. sport goes through the night. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm an NFL uh, nut as well, so I love watching watching that on a Sunday night through into Monday morning. Um, you know, all of all of these things are made possible. Sport is served up to us in a way now that we never had access to. Like yeah. when I explained to my kids that when I was their age, you probably got to see maybe about sort of three or four soccer matches <laughs> a year, and that was it. Like the FA Cup final was huge because it was the only game that was televised, yeah. and we all fell in love with the World Cups. And we can remember everything from you know from the nineteen seventy eight World mm-hmm. Cup and Mario Kempis in Argentina because it was so unusual. Now they can watch football every, every day. minute of every day, on, on whether demand, it be yeah. yeah, whether it be watching you know going down to watch Cabo, whether it be watching Dundalk in the in the Europa League, which is a brilliant story in in and of it itself. Is, yeah. My um, beloved Shamrock Rovers in Tallah Stadium. <laughs> your beloved Shamrock Rovers in Tallah Stadium. Yeah, I grew up more on the north side of Dublin, so I was always a, I was always a gypsy fan. I was oh, always more that... of a Bowes man. Sorry about that. Going back to those Class. guns now. I'm opposite side of the table. We've <laughs> been friends. We've been friends all the way through. Um, but now I've now I've fallen in love with Cabin Tealy because I've seen them growing up from being a you know a, a club that catered well for kids. Yeah. Um, you know a club that would put on the mini All Ireland or the mini World Cup every year and would have other clubs going around and poaching the best players with the you know with the the, uh, the pen and paper and sort yeah. of identifying yeah that kid he should come and play that, for us. That better not be directed at my below. Of a Ballybrack boys now. I'm just saying, definitely <laughs> not. No, Ballybrack would be a lovely, lovely club. Um, the no, but like they, you know, they they took a chance and they said, yeah. well, look, you know, if we want to progress, we want to actually offer all of these kids that are coming through the pipeline the prospects 
not of playing for Manchester United. Maybe that's more of a, too much of a pipe dream. But the idea of playing League of Ireland, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I coached a couple of guys in in, in Cooler in GAA that were that were you know that were playing for for Cabo along the along the way as well, um, Ross and Jamie, and and they made their League of Ireland debuts. Brilliant. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they gave up playing for Cooler, but maybe we'll get mm. them back when they're yeah, you know yeah. when they're playing for the sort of the adult seconds or something like that. But but I love the fact that you know that a local club like that can really sort of go on and you know this you know we we started talking about how you know how the how the business world and how the commercial world sort of makes it work well you know it does like the league yeah. of ireland still you know it doesn't have enough money in it but it has to have money to survive and dundalk's run through the champions league qualification stages like they'll have you know they'll have cleared by the end of the Europa League stage. They'll have cleared around about ten million euros. Yeah, they could yeah. win. They got one hundred twenty for the for the draw last week. Yeah, so they got right. twenty thousand more than winning the league. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for drawn. S- yeah, SSE Electricity. Uh, you know, are sponsoring the league. Um, but you know, it's and maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's it's got its its natural level. Maybe that's the level that it's at. But um, you know what we've seen now with Dundalk, and we saw with Shamrock Rovers in previous years, and we've seen with Shelburne a couple of years before that. That you know, it is possible to actually sort of you know to to have a have a big vision, to dream that you can do stuff, and then go out and actually achieve it. Not every day, not every year, but every now and again, enough to keep the dream alive. And you know, and 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 money, money kind of makes the world go round, and it makes the sporting world go round. Like sport, throughout the darker days of the recession, sports still kept on climbing internationally. Um, you know, we were able to build Croke Park. For heaven's sake, you know, you look back even now at you know All Ireland finals from the early nineties, and it yeah. looks as though it could have been the eighteen nineties. Yeah, Compared insane. to what we've got now, we've got the third biggest stadium in Europe. We've got a, a stadium that is just incredible in terms of the facilities it provides for an amateur sport that couldn't have been built with the you know with the love and the heartfelt enthusiasm of volunteers. You know the GAA has become a really slick, really effective commercial machine. Every sponsor wants to get involved with them. Um, the FAI have done really well. This what does the League of Ireland need to well. do to? take it to the next level like you said every sponsor there wants to be involved in GAA you I'm a huge League of Ireland fan so I would say that that's not the case with the League of Ireland perhaps Mm. what what do they need to do it's funny you know like the league the league is in a position where it's got a, a, a core audience so you've got you know a couple of thousand people that will through hell or high water want to go along and see their team performing whether it's in Drogheda or Dundalk or or down in Cork City actually more than a couple of thousand down in Cork City yeah. they've got they've got a good thing going down there but it's but it really struggles to reach beyond that and I think a big part of it is the fact that for every one of us that will go along and watch a League of Ireland match, there's probably five or six that are getting on a plane the following morning and going over to England, you yeah. know, to the Etihad Stadium or the Emirates or to Anfield. And I'm a I'm a QPR fan for my sins. Um, Sorry to hear that. So so am I. I can assure you. But and, and what's worse, I've actually made all of my kids support them as well, which is which is really cruel. But you know, it's uh, but but when victory comes, it's much much sweeter. That's what I tell them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're still waiting, but it, it, our, our day will come. Um, but you know, that's but that's the thing. If we if we, if we could take if we could take ten percent 
of the guys who went over to France for the Euros and actually sort of put them into a League of Ireland environment. Yeah. You know why did they go to why did they go to France? They went to France to follow a soccer team, to have the camaraderie that comes from supporting a team that might win, might lose, might draw, might give you a few good moments, might absolutely have you in the pits of despair at times. That's what you know. That's what following a team does, and it's a you know it, it is it's a mystery that that we haven't been able to actually tap into that, but. But I'm a great believer that you just keep on knocking at the door. You just keep on trying. And, you know, what Dundalk have achieved this year? There was, I was at the, I was at the Aviva Stadium when they were, when they were playing against the Polish side. When, unfortunately, when they, when they went down 2-0. Um, to one like dodgy, saw. Yeah, one dodgy penalty and one great goal to, to finish it off. Which, they didn't, which they didn't look too off. out of place in that game. They didn't. And like it was lashing rain, but there was still, there was, there was a sense that there was people there from, you know, from all over the country. There was Rovers fans, there was Bose fans, there was, you know, there was fans from, you know, from all across the country that just wanted to support the League of Ireland and I just wish that we could get more of the fans that might have been waiting for Manchester United to appear on the television the following night because you know like the gap in terms of the quality it's really not that big it's not as though you're watching completely apples and oranges I mean it's 22 guys or 22 girls that are out on the pitch you know trying to move a ball from you know from one goal to another and and put it in the back of the net um and yeah it's slightly different watching the champions league final you know watching uh, real madrid or or gareth bale or something like that but but watch our own local heroes our homegrown heroes and you know see if that can inspire you because sometimes it actually makes it easier when you when you see something that you believe you could actually be involved with um, it makes it easier for, you know, for kids to grow up mm. and, and for fans to grow up, uh, you know, into having a lifelong love affair with mm. the game. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see more, probably more promotions whereby you can you can actually get kids going to matches in, in groups and, you know, whether it be from schools or whether it be from other clubs. And I know that there is a lot of that stuff going on. Um, I just like to see it, you know, try and keep on more and more. I think we're we sometimes fall into a habit that we'll try something once and if it doesn't work, it might have been because it was raining, but if it didn't work then, actually that'll never work. Yeah. And so we'll, you know, we're You don't do always, it, you abandon it. Yeah, you're always looking for something new and sometimes it's just the basics. It's just, you know, having a f- faith, having confidence in your own ability to actually sort of go out there and put on a show that is going to be attractive to people. And if you talk with confidence, and we tend not to in the League of Ireland, it tends to kind of talk itself down a little bit. Um, you know, there is, you know, there, there is always hope because, you know, soccer is the one game that, you know, that everybody in the world understands. They know it, they can play it, uh, you know, jumpers for goalposts. Mm. It doesn't need, it doesn't need a massive infrastructure in order to get a game going. And, you know, all of the new communities that we've had coming into Ireland, uh, you know, they all understand soccer in a way that they might not understand hurling or they might not understand rugby. And so they should be an absolute target market. We should be looking at, at drawing in and attracting, you know, people, you know, the you know, the Polish community here. Mm. Huge Polish community. And like we saw that when, when Legia Warsaw were playing in, in the we saw it when Poland came here uh, you know, for the for the last Euros qualifiers yeah. as well. Huge Polish audience. Are they being attracted towards uh, you know towards local football? Yeah, towards Tallah Stadium or mm. towards anything else. Um, you know, I do they, see it a lot in in Tallah Stadium. In fairness, now I do see different communities at the games, and mm. uh, particularly in their academy, uh, a lot of the other communities will be playing for the underage teams as well. Yeah, 
that's great. Like, yeah. and you know, the, and the more we can get at that, like, I mean, if you look at if you look at the English Premier League, shit, it's probably only about ten percent of the players are actually English yeah. now. So, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it it is it's it's something that I think the FAI are very keen to sort of you know to keep on keep on pushing and keep on promoting, and they want to go from the grassroots. They want to make sure that the you know the absolute grassroots, the club structure is really strong and has got a really good foundation. But the you know the the, the levels that they've built in in terms of uh, you know under 17 under 19 under 15 and that uh, at national level I genuinely think that that will help that you know that we're, we're going to produce probably better quality players and in greater numbers and they're going to be looking for the next step and if that next step is to Blackburn Rovers or Burnley or Liverpool or even QPR great but if it's not then we do need to have a strong League of Ireland Definitely. there in order to provide a facility for people to play and you know give them a give them a career, give them mm-hmm. a path through in sport. Um, we're just about out of time, which is a pity because the you kind of the, the insightful opinion is something that you don't get all that often, especially when me and you were talking. So <laughs> it's always good to have that broken up. But um Rob, if people want to hear more either from yourself or from sport from business or they want to hear more about the uh, the one zero. Where can they follow it? Where can they find more about it? Sure, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at Sport for Business. Uh, one S on the end of it. Uh, I obviously didn't couldn't count up the, uh, the number of letters <laughs> that I was putting into back in Twitter. I'm fairly active on that. We've got about. <laughs> We've got about uh, about six thousand followers on that, uh, including hopefully one or two listeners here. Um, we've got the the website is at sportforbusiness.com. Um, again, daily refresh content always going on there, and you know it's a mix of free to view and and some of it behind the uh, behind the paywall. One yeah. zero uh, con.com is for the conference for for Sir Clive and for Lance and for Shane and for Munir and you know all of the great people that we've got coming over for there. Um, or you can. See See me up in Thomastown or Shank Hill, uh, you know, trying to encourage the next generation of of Dublin superstars to come through, uh, both in the boys and the girls. Very important. I've got a big, got a big passion for uh, you know for women's sport. I think that that's Absolutely, a yeah. massive untapped market for commercial sponsors, and I think that it's really important that we need to provide sporting. Uh, you know sporting ambition for you know for my daughters as well as for my sons for uh, you know for the you know all the girls out there who you know we've got Dublin and Corker will will be playing in the in the All-Ireland ladies final and should be a great occasion in in Croke Park you know Um, my friend plays for your senior team your senior ladies team my friend Cathy so I go to some of the Kula away games brilliant the Kula Ultra Cooler Ultra, love that. Yeah, on the chair as well. We'll get you a special sticker. Irish Times Club of the Year 2016, all across the back of the chair. Paddy Brock, she's um, number one. Number one scar for the ladies. Cooler ladies. Yeah, so uh, no, so I'm, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm around, um, but that's what it is. We live in a, we live in an online world, a virtual world. But it's been great to, you know, to come in here and, and to chat with you guys again and say, love what you do, and you know, it's a, it's a ready mix of, you know, sort of the, you know, the, the sublime to tonight's the ridiculous but um, <laughs> you know but but you carry on doing you're doing a great job and thank uh, you and thank that's you, yeah. that's what will keep on drawing people towards you to listen to come and chat and if uh, if you, if you want to have me back at any time in the future then be very happy to come along We'd, excellent we'd be, to we, you, be careful you might just take you up on that you know <laughs> um, but Rob Hart and listen thanks to me for coming in man really really enjoyed that thank you great stuff thanks guys 
Man, that was fascinating. Yeah, it is like, crazy, isn't it? Like, because the commercial side of things you never ever think of. They're no. like, well, other than when a Paul Pogba situation comes along or you hear of a huge financial sponsorship deal, like, you know, you're getting Adidas or something like that. But it's like, mad. He, he mentioned an example there about Bernard Brogan, like, you know, who's, who's commercially backing him or whatever. Yeah. It's mad. Like, the, the comparison I, with us is that anytime we get anyone on, someone is always saying, how the hell did you get them on? Yeah, true. and like he yeah. said, you people just say no. Yeah, that's it. We always operate under the philosophy of like, look, ask them if just we hear something out. back, we hear something back. If we don't, we don't. We so don't the, the, so. the worst they can do is say no. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just give us a reply. That's all I'll ask. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if if your parents taught you manners, you reply. Um, <laughs> harsh, harsh, harsh. Um, but yeah, oh, a couple of people have been in touch with us over last week, suggesting guests and that um, Jared who listens regularly also suggested somebody so we may very well follow who up did he suggest that. he suggested an artist whose name escapes me okay um, but during the week he tweeted us and tagged that artist so we may reach out we've also got a couple other people in the pipeline as well as always lads are trying to bring you good people but if you've read or watched or heard something that you think we should talk about let us know yeah i'm interested in the in the in the, in the books out there a good book a good history book or a good conspiracy book or something like that yeah. remember we got the north korea author on the author great. of that book that yeah. was a great that was Paul oh, Fisher Paul Fisher that was really interesting yeah. like because we can do Skype lads so just let us yeah. let us know thanks Jared Skype phone face to face you never know we might take this on the road and travel to somebody yeah I have a kidney stone so we might be doing a show from the hospital yeah I'll happily come in and visit you and record in the hospital just bring a happy meal in for me Um, you mean a happy meal of fruit because that's what makes you happy and lettuce hello Lindsay Doyle <laughs> Um. But yeah, we're all off to the hospital now to check on Lindsay and the sexter baby. Uh, <laughs> she has not popped yet. No, she she's getting close to it though. Can't wait to see if my bet wins or not. Remember that bet we had? No. That side bet that we had that we told Lindsay we wouldn't talk about. No, what's your bet? Well done, good man. So, <laughs> <laughs> only messing, only yeah. messing. Um, yeah, look, again, thanks to Rob Hartner for coming in because, um, as you heard, he, he's up at 5am every morning working hard. So the fact he came in to us late night and recorded, absolute gent. But on top of all that, the one zero conference is, look, tickets are a little bit pricey, lads. But again, it's a full day, field is thrown in, and some of the people that you're getting to hear from, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. So if you can get along to it, do. But that's it. That's it for another week. You can check Graham out at Merigamania. You can check Danny out at Dan John Murray. I like how we do that for each other now. <laughs> little little couple <laughs> couples. Um, and you can check the podcast out at WTS Pod or search on any of the podcast players out there at all. WTS Pod. Review, 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 review. Please. You will find us. Rate, review, subscribe. Absolutely. Um, we know we promised a listener out there who won a competition a long time ago that they would get a t-shirt off us. They're coming soon. It is coming. We probably haven't forgotten you. What's his name? I have forgotten that. <laughs> Keith Hanley. Keith Hanley. <laughs> Put me on the spot and embarrassing me. Huh? Uh, I have a, I actually now have, the tiles are tu- tiles have turned. Yeah, we see. Like I, I don't rely on that because I have it wrote down on my laptop in a little document. We were talking about earlier on about what um, sayings. Yeah. You know um, the tiles have turned. The, the yeah, that, they got me thinking. You know the one. The coast is clear. The coast is clear. Up until I was about sixteen, I was, I always used to say like I used to. I remember saying it to Brock. So like, come on, Brock, the ghost is clear. You, you shouted that. <laughs> the ghost is clear. Yeah, That's the ghost. Jesus. 
for years I thought it was the ghost is clear <laughs> instead of the coast is clear. Um, Absolute cabbage. That reminds me of another one. Uh, wouldn't say boo to a goose. Did you ever hear that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah loads yeah. of those, yeah. Do you want to know what that was? Just wrap up with that one. Yeah, quick. Wouldn't say boo to a goose is um, because geese are seen as um, animals that fright easily and can then get rowdy. But also that they uh, were minded by children Very back in the day. Good. So if somebody wouldn't say boo to a goose, goose, they were seen as a pansy. Very good, very good. So I like go. it. Great, um, great one to end. There you go. So anyway, send um, us your signs, lads. Send us your signs and um, send us whatever you want, except for nudes. Don't <laughs> 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 um, Yeah, send us your signs. Send us your recipes. Send us whatever you want. Send us your guest ideas. Send us your reviews. Get in touch with us. We love it. Um, if you're listening abroad, especially, get in touch with us. And what I was going to say about the t-shirts, and especially Mr. Keith Hanley, who we do our t-shirt too. Thank you for reminding me of the name. I didn't have to check my laptop. Sunshine fits. Um, people who do review us, um, we'll be picking a few at random to send um, a lovely WTS pod branded t-shirt. Um, it'll be all the latest in winter fashion. 2016. <laughs> we guarantee it. May even be doing bubble hats. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? But look, yeah, iTunes, Podbean, um, Podcast Addict, anywhere and everywhere, WTS Pod, that's us, FitzpatrickCastle.com, great people, they give us a roof over our head so we can bring you this podcast every week, and not to forget, Ballybrack Bulls, December 17th, in St. Lawrence's College, be there. 2.15pm. It's going to be fantastic. going to upend the bejays out of honestly. Exactly. Don't even care if any of them hear this. If you fancy an away game, October 1st, Saturday, it's just around the corner. First game of the season in Clontarf. IWAHQ, 11.15 against Galway. Look at that. You can be up early enough. You can pick up a break your own, a cup of coffee, head along, watch some people. Come out and wreck the gaff. It'll be amazing. Up end the place. Bultras on tour, 2K16. Slash 7 Graham. Yes, Danny. Until next week. Adios. God bless.